TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome in here on a Tuesday morning. Yourtango.com did this story this morning, and it started off as a joke on TikTok, of course, because that's where all things start now. But it actually shed light on what might be a real problem when it comes to what influences a judge's sentencing. Yeah, it all started with a TikTok video that was made by a comedian by the name of Dan Henschel. And, uh, you know, he, he on his uh, online pages on TikTok and wherever, he, uh, you know, he puts up little humorous things that occur to him every so often. And he made a joke at one point about not wanting the judge, if he's ever sentenced for a crime, not wanting the judge to be hungry because mm-hmm. hangry is a real thing. And I think we all know that. So the last thing you want to do is have a judge you know, to sentence you for a crime when his stomach's grumbling and he hasn't had anything to eat for six hours because you know you're going to end up with a much harsher sentence. Well, somebody took that idea and thought, you know what? I wonder if that's a real thing. And guess what they found? Yep. Yeah, the video got 3 million likes and 14,700 comments and was shared on multiple other platforms. And the video was shared on X, which we used to call Twitter. And it got questions like, is this grounds for being disbarred? If you can prove this, that this is true. And I don't know how you prove that. I, I, I don't know how that that's a whole other conversation that we can get into. Yeah. But they asked that question. And so, yeah, there was research that was done by a couple of universities, including Columbia University in New York, that examined more than 1000 decisions by eight judges, they were in Israel, doesn't matter at the moment, who ruled on the parole requests of convicts. Judge granted 65% of the the requests they heard at the beginning of the day and almost none at the end, at the beginning of a session, assuming a session just goes the morning. Yeah. Right after a snack breaks, approvals went up to 65% again. (laughs) That's a dramatic difference. And I can totally see it. I mean, the video in question is just him in a judge's robe, even though, as Jamie said, he's not really a judge. And he's just eating uh, eating rice with chopsticks. And the caption says, finally getting lunch and realizing I gave a guy life in prison without parole because I was hangry. And and since then, it just kind of blew up from there. And it, it, like I said, it does make some sense. You're going to be, if not just a little bit more irritable, by the end of the day, you're going to truck less explanation for things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, all the mitigating factors. Yeah, 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 whatever. Life in prison. Get out of here. Then yeah. you would be after you just ate a nice lunch and are feeling pretty good about the remainder of the day. But I'm fascinated behind the side. Again, it makes sense. 
but the science is interesting. And then the implications of this are serious, right? Yeah. So Cambridge University said the phenomenon is called the hangry judge effect. And the argument is that after repeated decisions, judges become exhausted, hungry, or mentally depleted like anybody else would. I mean, think about how you feel, you know, if you go to work at eight and by noon and you haven't had anything to eat all morning, think about how you feel. And they use the simple and less effort, that's a hard word, effortful strategy to stick with the status quo by rejecting the request. It's just easier to say no. Yes. They don't have to think about it as much. They have to think about it more if they say yes. Whether they have to or not, they just don't think about it right. as much. Yeah, right. uh, and, and it makes you wonder. I mean, wh where else could something like that be applied? I mean, you mentioned that time right before lunch. Um, you know, take that down to the to the school level and talk about what kids are like in that last period before lunchtime, where we were a mess. We, you know, we didn't want to be mm -hmm. there. We hated it. Uh, so, you know, do you start rotating classes? I had a school that did that, as a matter of fact. The first high school that I went to had a rotating schedule like that, uh, where, you know, period one on Monday was then period two on Tuesday and three on three, mm -hmm. and, you know, it just kept going down. So, uh, you know, police work, judges, um, I, you know what I would love to see as well is w when we're talking about the commute and road rage incidents, mm -hmm. does it seem that more of that stuff happens on the way home when you haven't had anything to eat since lunch than it does on the way to work when you just had breakfast? Anecdotally, it seems like we have more road rage incidents not in the morning. Yes. They, they, they would Usually they're more later in the day. 4.30, 5 o'clock, 5.30. Yep. Yeah, when people are leaving work trying to... And, and there's two things involved in that. One, you just want to get home. You just spent the right. last eight hours work. You just want to get home. And the other one is you haven't had anything to eat for a while. I mean, not to gank the, the uh, Snickers commercials, but maybe that's not the worst idea in the world is around 4.30, grab something, you know, and just mm -hmm. be ready for it. Yeah, so I can name you professions where I it makes me nervous if somebody hasn't eaten in a while because of what they have to do. Like I want my doctor to be well hydrated and well, I, I don't want my doctor to be fatigued. Yeah. You think about how long surgeries can go. I mean, it's <laughs> not unusual for a surgery to go 15, 18 hours sometimes. Yeah. You want them to take breaks to eat and do that kind of thing. But I'm coming back to where it makes a difference to another person um, in terms of a judgment being made. Like I'll go back to teaching and think about, I used to have to sit and gr um, grade research papers. And I remember my teachers used to talk about this too. Like that's, especially if you're trying to stick to a rubric and all the things that they tell us to do when we're learning to be teachers, you get through three of those and you're exhausted. You know, you spend a Sunday afternoon doing that. If you don't take a break and eat, I can see, uh, now I don't know what, does it make you more likely to just give an A? Cause you just don't want to read it. And so you don't want to be accused of giving a bad grade because then you actually have to read it. I don't know which way it goes. But the other thing I wonder about with the judges is, so let's say you know this study and let's say your parole hearing is at 1130 and this judge has been going since eight. Is there a polite way? I think the answer is no. Is there a polite way to ask that judge like, yeah. Hey judge, can I offer you some almonds or something to before before we get going here? Get you a little chips and salsa, maybe something. I yeah, mean, you know, just a little something to keep you going. Yeah, uh, I mean that that blood sugar drop, which is what mm -hmm. they kind of attribute most of that to, is just that that makes you feel awful. 
on top of just the rumbling in your stomach, that, that that's a real thing. I mean, there have been so many studies done on whether the hangry effect is real, and all of them say the same thing. Of course it is. I mean, just even just um, anecdotally or just by our own experience, experientially, I guess, we know that. They're just you know reiterating something that we already know. But is there uh, is there a, an effective way other than the obvious, just grabbing a granola bar or something like that, um, to to start understanding our own bodies better and realize when that's starting? You know the other thing I've been just thinking on the selfish basis, going back over the text line between eleven thirty and noon <laughs> and seeing if most <laughs> of the really bad stuff comes in right uh-huh. about there. Uh, uh-huh. you know, kind of that same effect. See how else that affects people. Yeah. And then I ask, what do you do about it? Like you said, being aware of your own bodies, but then also I feel like making it socially acceptable for that judge to say, like for this judge to know, I get crabby, you know, <laughs> at about 11 o'clock yeah. and I'm maybe not, I, I can't focus as well. And for that judge to tell their scheduler, Hey, I need a 10 minute break between 11 and 11 or like break the day up into thirds yeah. instead of halves so that they can take 15 minutes and eat a protein bar it's, or do something. It's so funny because when was the last time that you had snack time? What was it, second grade? <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, snack time, and then everybody lay down on your mats and close your eyes for 10 minutes. Um. Yes, and yes, that's my proposal. Split the day into thirds. Yeah. Like, when did we decide that five hours – is the appropriate time between breakfast and lunch or whatever the time of day is. When did we decide as a society, sometimes it's more than that. I mean, think about there are kids that will eat lunch in school at 1130 and dinner time at their house isn't until 6 p.m. Sure. That's why they get a snack when they get home because they're hungry and it's a long time to go until dinner. How do we decide that the morning that, that adults can just do the same thing? We, we can just go the five or six hours and not eat. And still just be okay. I mean, I've been trying to figure out a way to follow Mexico and Spain and start having a siesta around 2 o'clock oh. every afternoon. Oh. For, I mean, we can. Forever. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, we. <laughs> I could just you go curl up in the ready room or something like that. But, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that we're starting to understand a lot more about this. But the real-world repercussions of that, I mean, can you imagine? Because the next step in something like that is to say, okay, if judges really do give out harsher sentences or deny appeals or whatever it is, in that hour before lunch or in that hour before the end of the day, be, before the end of the shift, are we going to start seeing appeals based yes. on that? Yes. That's where this goes, right? The next step is now that you have the science that shows the trend in general, what can happen, then you start looking at individual judges and maybe you just start sampling just to see if this is a trend with particular judges. And if yeah. you can find that it is, and you know that you're one of those um, people that were up for parole that got denied and your hearing was after 10 a.m., I'd say, but again, I, I say, how do you prove it? Is he going to remember whether he had a snack at 10 a.m. a year ago? <laughs> one one more job for the court reporter. Right. <laughs> one more job for the bailiff <laughs> or whatever to just go in and be in charge of the of the judge's granola bars. It's sort of funny. It's almost like having to remind someone who's diabetic, like you need to check your blood sugar for somebody that's not used to that. The other thing this makes me think about is, you know, our attitude toward sleep, although we have a story in our stack today, it might be coming up next here soon, about if you feel guilty about calling in when you're sick. I thought maybe our attitudes about that 
we're getting better. Like it's becoming more socially acceptable to stay home when you're actually sick. It used to be you just had to work through it. I feel like our attitudes towards sleep are getting a little bit better in that we cannot function if we are perpetually exhausted. Maybe that conversation needs to shift toward keeping your blood sugar at a steady rate all day. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, the only people I know who monitor their blood sugar in a real fashion are diabetics and hypoglycemics. Right. So yeah, right. maybe for the rest of us, there should be at least some, uh, some system, I guess, it, to, to, to do that other than just, wow, it's been six hours and I feel lousy because that's what most of us go on. Mm-hmm. 913-586-7798 if you want to get in here. Uh, we'll get to that story coming up next. There is a study out asking us, do you feel guilty when you need to call off sick? And I want to hear from bosses a little bit here too. If you have an employee that calls and tells you they're sick and they can't work, what's your reaction? Get to this coming up here on KMBZ. 913-586-7798. All right, so we were talking about the story that, again, started as a joke on TikTok with a comedian pretending to be a judge, pretending to be hungry and saying that affects what kind of a sentence he's going to give. It was a joke, but it turns out he had a point that studies have been done that show judges that have to decide whether to give parole are more likely to have that decision influenced by what time of day it happens. If it's early in the morning and they've just had breakfast, they're more likely to grant parole. If it happens closer to lunchtime when they haven't eaten in a while, they are more likely, a lot more likely to reject parole. And the thing is, I'll bet they don't notice. You know, I, I'll bet if you ask sure. them, they would go, no, come on, I don't I do not do that. No, I mean, me being hungry doesn't really make any difference. It's just, you know. Uh, but when it's pointed out to you, I wonder if there's anybody who will admit looking back on something and going, you know what, that, that fight I had with Bob in accounting or whatever it is, you uh-huh. know, that, that I probably, eh, that was, some of that was me. Yeah, I was irritated with him, but it, it really got blown out of proportion. And it's because I hadn't eaten for a while. <laughs> so if that's you, 913-586-7798, we go to Adriana in Clinton up next. Hi, Adriana. Hi. So you guys were talking about the um, being diabetic on there also. And I just wanted to let everybody know that I've been diabetic since I was seven. And it's just you have to learn your body and you have to figure out when you need to eat something. Maybe you need breakfast midday snack, lunch, late afternoon snack, dinner, and a bedtime snack. So you're not hungry because I can tell you it really does affect your mood and your personality if there's something going on with that. So if you also, if you think something's going on with your blood sugar, you should have that tested. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, good advice. I mean, if, if especially if you, like you said, you really notice those dips when when you get to that 11 o'clock hour and you just can't move and you don't feel like doing anything. That that could Lethargic be indicative of a problem. And tired, yeah. 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 Good advice. You Adriana, have thanks. Have a great day. Yeah, Thank you, you too. Appreciate it. Thanks, you too. A couple of you were texting in that you own your own business and it's hard to, you know, that, that when you live and die by um, serving as many customers as possible, it gets harder. And I say this, speaking of being diabetic, my dad was a severe diabetic. And that was before we had the automatic pumps. That was when you had to know in the morning when you gave your injection, what you were going to eat during the day. And there were a couple of times I remember having to visit him in the ER because he didn't do a good job doing that. And his job was um, a lot of uh, labor. It was a lot of physical labor. You got, you just got to take care of your health a little bit. To a certain degree, I say to judges, you got to know that you're getting crabby and you got to advocate for the fact that you need five minutes to eat a protein bar. Yeah. 
oh, to yeah. keep going. You know, yeah, and I've, I've talked about this before, that I had a good friend who was also severely diabetic, and we were out one time actually on our way to lunch, and he had to stop at the bank. So we're in the drive-thru at the bank, and he went from being totally normal to acting like he had just taken five shots of bourbon in the yeah. space of like a half a minute where he was slurring his words and kind of, you know, doing the, the the drunken wobble and the whole thing. He hadn't had anything to drink. It was all blood sugar. And he grabbed a, a little piece of hard candy out of the center console of the truck. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, about a minute later, he was back to normal. He's totally fine. It, it affects you that much. Even in, and so even if you don't have a problem with it, but your blood sugar is low, there's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff going on in your brain you don't even think about. It's funny because that actually perfectly gets us into the next story out of CBS News about advocating for yourself and really having to fight and say, I am sick. I cannot work. Don't force me to because that would be dumb because I can't work. And yet there was a massive study that was done. CBS News had this nearly 90 percent of U.S. workers say they worked through sickness over the past 12 months. I thought we were past this. I thought COVID got us over the hump a little bit of feeling like we had to work when we were sick. No, guess not. Apparently not. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, and it's, I mean, I, I think some of it goes boss to boss. Colin and I were just talking about this, about so how, yeah. about how here, I mean, if we're feeling sick, boss says, stay home. It's not even a question. It's just we don't want you here because the last there's not that many of us on the air. The last thing we want to do is start, you know, introducing a virus into this building and knocking out six ten sports and half of our lineup and all of the rest of it. So this industry is, is I think, in general, pretty conscious of that. But I'm sure you're still going to find plenty of bosses out there who are like, "No, I need you. Get in here now." That's some of it, but a lot of it is still just what we put on ourselves. But I feel like, sorry, keep going. I was going to especially if you like your job, you want to be there. You want to be doing this. I, in the times when I have to stay home, I get really antsy. I'm like, I want to be on the air today. And so, yeah, it's, it's not just even feeling like you're letting work down or letting your boss down. You kind of feel like you're letting yourself and the job itself down it's like i'm not there doing it so it's not as good (laughs) a little narcissism there but whatever this is where i feel like bosses need to set that tone of because this is in the story 65 percent of workers say they experience stress anxiety guilt or fear when requesting sick time from their employer and i feel like it needs to be as simple as telling your boss i am not well enough to work today And it shouldn't even be a request. It should be a declaration of, I know me. No, I'm not faking it. I am not well enough to do the job. And the boss needs to set the tone of, I don't want you working if you are not well. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, I've mentioned before that many years ago, I worked for a guy when I was in Nashville who said, if you're having a bad day, I don't want you on the air. Yeah. You know, it was that it, it, it wasn't even you don't even have to be sick. If you just don't feel like doing the job, you're going to sound like you don't feel like doing the job when you're on the air. And I don't want that to so stay home. I'll get somebody else in here to do it. Um, but then again, I, I think we've also probably all been in a position where a boss has guilted you for it. Have you ever had that? Oh, I were I I maybe told the story before. Um, one of the first program directors, one of the first bosses I had in radio when in I Illinois. worked in Illinois. Yes, right. Yeah, I worked through mono. I will. This is the sickest I have ever been in my life. Was I got uh, mono on like a Sunday, 
I worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because he told me I had to be at work. And on Friday, I finally went to the doctor and had mono, Yeah, which by the way, is incredibly contagious. And I worked through it anyway, because he wouldn't let me stay home. Uh, yeah, and and uh, when I was in St. Louis, the the last boss, actually the second last boss that I had there, uh, my last boss at KMOX was um, he wouldn't fight you on it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he would he would say stuff about it. He would just be right. snarky about it. And it's like you know what? Um, if you want to see how sick I am, feel free to come over to the house, but recognize you're going to leave with walking death. So and how good is that work going to be? Right. What's the what's the quality of that work going to be? Yeah, it, it just it makes no sense to do it that way. And and if somebody really is abusing it, then I, I think we're talking about a different thing. If somebody, you know, every time they get a hangnail, oh, I can't work today. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are people who will do that, but that becomes obvious. If your work record is okay and you're sick and you call out sick and they still give you flack over it, that's a right. boss problem. Yes, and we're looking to see if ours is around. That we might get him on here in a little <laughs> bit. Really talk about it. In. Let's go to Mike in Topeka in the meantime and uh, do a little talking with him. Hey, Mike. Hey guys, how's it going? Going well. What do you think? Um, so I do think a lot of it comes down to the the boss and the work environment. Um, so my bosses are really um, understanding about it, and it's really not even a question. Even if you don't have sick time to use, if you're sick, you're sick. Um, and the reason I think for that is because of what we do. Um, our, our job is very dangerous and, uh, we've actually lost someone at work before. Oh yeah. Um, so if, if you're not a hundred percent, if you have any issues with your, your thought process and being clear minded and actually able to focus on what you're doing, there is a very like real possibility that someone could get seriously injured or unfortunately die because of it. Well, yeah. Um, and, and then you take the fact that, especially if you're talking about something like a cold or the flu, a lot of the over, over the counter medications for that contain alcohol. They, yeah. they don't um, blast that out on the label. I'm sure there's plenty of folks who still don't realize that. But yeah, imagine popping a couple of NyQuil and then heading in and trying to weld something. Good plan. Yeah, or if you know, if not even that, if it causes any kind of drowsiness or anything that can interfere with your ability to focus on stuff. So yeah, yeah you know, if we're sick, they're absolutely all for you know, take the time, you know, take care of yourself because we don't want anyone getting hurt. No doubt. Well done. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, and and. But but it should be across the board. It shouldn't necessarily be because you might die, although that is a valid reason. It should be because you're sick. Stay home. Yes. Um, And we can go further into the not mentally in the game either because that matters just as much. 913-586-7798. We'll take a break. We'll get to more of your calls next on KMBZ. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
if your day sounds like we need the report asap you deserve Medella. if you've persevered through you deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste or if you overcame you deserve this ice cold reward Medella, the markable fighter drink responsibly beer imported by crown Port, chicago illinois Story came to us out of CBS News. This was a survey done by Bamboo HR that said about two thirds of workers say when they request time uh, off from their employer because they are sick, they experience stress, anxiety, guilt, or fear when asking to stay home from work sick. 90% of people say they work anyway if they don't feel well. Wow. Oh, th- and that uh, brings us right to, uh, we, we have dragged him in from the corner office. Uh, our own boss, Alan Verst, has joined us in the studio to do a little talking about this. Alan, I have to ask you, first of all, do, do those numbers surprise you that that many people are still afraid or have some trepidation or guilt feeling about calling in sick? Not uh, at all. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I mean that kind of. I guess it does kind of surprise me, um, but I, I, I do. I I'm afraid to call the program director here and tell tell him I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid. To I mean he's kind of a jerk. He's so a jerk. I've heard that. Uh, but I mean your your attitude about it has always been. You know, I was talking about Johnny Randolph, an old boss of mine from years ago, who was like, "If you don't feel like being here, don't come in today. I, I just I want somebody happy to be on the air." That, that I mean. If some bosses will give you flack about it, you don't. I mean, it just seems like such a silly thing to rake somebody over the coals over. We all get sick. Yeah, totally. I, I think so. I, I think, look, you know, that's right. People get sick. I don't want people around me if they're sick. Yep. Right? And this this place, especially when it's full with people, you know, we always say, well, it's like a Petri dish out here in the news department because if one person gets it, then the next person gets it. So... So you know, you know that that can become a problem for for everybody, not just you know one person being off. Now you've got a bunch of people being off, and you know from a purely selfish standpoint, and then I have to schedule people. So, <laughs> right. you know, so I you know so, but but you know what? On the other side of that is the the mental health part of it you were talking about, and mm-hmm. you know there are days you just hey you just don't have it. Yeah, and you know sometimes you just say I need a I need a break, and this kind of work. I know our listeners are saying, "Oh, how, come on! You just talk all day. It's so easy." Sure. And and it and it's but it really is tough because you have to prep every day. You have to know what you're talking about, and then you have to come in here. And I know when the two of you leave here every day, it's like I got to get out of here. I am shot. <laughs> right. I mean, on, on, unless Scott or Dana says, "Hey, can you stick around?" The other right, one's gone. Another, <laughs> another six hours or so. Sure. Yeah. But and, and the other thing I know about talk show hosts is wind them up and let them go because they can't stop talking. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah, a little so, bit. Right. So, but but yeah, there is. I think there is. You got to give people room, and they make. You know, I I think we at least I hope this is true here. You know, we we treat people like adults. You you make your decisions. If you can't go, tell me you can't go. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And do you ever doubt it, Alan? We were asking a little bit during the break. Like, what what if you doubt it? I, you know what, I have had over the years a few that have abused it probably, not here, but in a couple of other places, because after a while it gets to be a pattern. Oh, it's every Monday or it's every Friday, <laughs> you know, and sort of that sort of thing. And I worked, at a, I worked for a company at one point that had unlimited sick days. Now, let me tell you how unmanageable that can be. Wow. Yeah, because 
on Friday, you could pretty much be sure that you're going to be short-staffed. So, you know, and there's nothing you could do about that. So it's, it's what it is. But, but yeah, no, I, I just think you just you have to trust your people, don't you, I think? Sure. Well, yeah, and, and so that kind of nixes my plan to uh, become infected with a plague and take 610 off the air. Yeah. Um, that would be <laughs> just sabotage the entire station. But, yeah, I mean, it makes total sense, and it just uh, – yeah, you wish you could allay those fears in people and just say, you know what, whatever you need, it's okay. It's, it's not going to get you in trouble. Right. I mean, why would you get in trouble for being sick? I don't yeah. think you should. Makes sense. Thanks, Alan. So, so, Alan, hey, real fast, then, how do you explain the anxiety and fear and stress that so many people say they have about it? Well, I think it's probably because the, the people they work for uh, probably give them a hard time over. You were mentioned uh, somebody you had worked for, John. And, yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's just sometimes comments get made, you know, and, you, and, and I think people feel like they're letting their, their teammates down at times. I'm not going to be there, you know, so there may be a little bit of that, too. Definitely, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that at some point, I mean, even if you've never worked for somebody who really was a stickler about that and you know, would just rake people over the coals about it, that there is that internal thing. I think that's more what it is than anything else. It's like, okay, I know I'm really sick, but I don't know if they're going to believe me. And that that just comes from a, a culture. That's a tone that gets set. Yeah, uh, and I'm expecting right now both of you are about to tell me here as we go into break. Yeah. Hey, you know, I've <laughs> been feeling a little. <coughs> uh, yeah, yeah I, no, thankfully today we're fine. Today we're all, <laughs> all right. we're all okay all today. Good. We'll see you about tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Alan. Yes. Tomorrow's another day. Thanks, yes, Alan. Indeed. Uh, we, on that, we're going to go. Yeah, and it's just so how do you feel about it? I mean, when, when it comes down to you and you're in that situation where you're you're sick, you know you're sick, you know you're probably contagious, you get a cold or whatever, something that isn't going to kill anybody, but it, it could make somebody else sick. How much of it do you really take into account when you're having that internal debate with yourself about how, well, I could work if I really met up and I really, you know, try and buckle down and try, I could get through the day, but I know I'm sick, so I should probably stay home. 913-586-7798. Let's go to Jason in Raytown. Hey, Jason. Hey, guys. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum, but my boss is awesome. Um, I just went down three weeks ago with ACL and patella replacement. And I Ooh. still try to get up there to the shop and do something. And he's like, Jason, go home. He's even given me a ride home once. He said, Jason, stay off of it. Jason, stop. But I feel like, you know, I've got to be up there doing something at least. But he's like, you know, hey, you don't need to be here. There's nothing nothing you can do. And even if you could, you don't need to. Yeah. And it's just... You know, and we don't have PTO time or sick time. And you now my wife, she's on the other end of the spectrum. She gets PTO time and sick days, and she gets her birthday off and holidays off. And and she's always stressed about using it. She's like, well, I don't know if I should or not. I'm like, well, Bridget, you've got to, you know. And with me, it's like I can call up right now and say, you know, hey, well, I'm still down. Good, you know. And I, I still... I, I'll call him like three or four times a day. Hey, can you get this done? Or, hey, did you check that? Hey, do this for me real quick. And I swear they get tired of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think you make a great point because, you know, it's it's bad enough that you feel sick. Now, on top of that, you have to feel useless, too. 
Exactly. Thank you, John. That's exactly what it is, you know? I mean, I, I'm i still a mobile person. i just not that mobile, you know? I can do two canes and a crutch or whatever, but they're like, no, no. And, and my boss, he was so nice, you know, with no paid time, no nothing. He will still pay me for my week. Yeah. Even if I'm not even there, he'll still pay me. That's that's good. That's and yeah. Hold on to that job. <laughs> that's unheard of. That that is unheard of. What did you do to your you knee, know? by the way? Did uh, it did it just wear out, or did you do something? Because normally you're talking about ligament damage. That's a big deal. I played college baseball, and ah. I grew up on a farm. So between buck and bales and playing for the farm teams, I yep. I threw it out. You know, I got a good college degree out of it, but my both my knees are pretty much done and. The other one, I hyperextended it backwards ah. on a, a riding lawnmower tractor, which is, that's what we work on up there at the shop. But yeah. Yeah, you know, and it, but I'm healing and I'm doing good. And like I said, I still, my wife hides my car keys from me, so I can't, <laughs> can't drive up to the shop anymore. I love it. All right, well, take oh, care of yourself. Boss, my boss comes and picks me up. Re- He's like, hey, you want to go get breakfast real quick? I'm sure, you know. Yeah, get that, get that rehab and the bike work done, man. Best to you, uh, Jason. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks, Thank Jason, you. for getting on. I am an over-explainer, and I'm probably like this anyway. <laughs> I'm pro- I, I probably, this is probably a fault of mine anyway. But there's a little part of me that feels, not that you're not going to believe me, but that, because um, I just so rarely get sick. And so it's like, so I feel like I have to explain to you, you know, it's been since last night. I promise you my voice is gone. I've done what I know to do. I, you know, like, I feel like I have to over, I have to explain it. And you mm. guys don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's really, you don't care. Me, yeah. I, I need to know, are you going to be here? Or are you not yeah. going to be here? Yeah. Whatever the reason is, you if you're care. not, I'll take care of it. it as long as I know. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I think we're both, somebody asked us earlier if either one of us listen to the show when we're off sick. I think it sounds like you do it more than I do. In fact, I could tell you were doing it when you were off because you're on our thread all the time. Oh, yeah. I can tell when, I can tell <laughs> when you're perky because you, you're still chatting with us. Um, I, if I'm sick enough that I'm not, it's rare that I listen to the radio at home. But what I do do is I'm constantly on Twitter anyway. And I'm constantly, you can't turn your brain off. And not be aware of what's going on in the world. Exactly. Yeah. And that was the situation. I mean, when when I'm and what I said back to the texter who wrote that in, you know, do you guys listen to the show when you have a day off because you're sick? It depends on what kind of sick. I mean, if I really am, you know, bronchitis and I'm having trouble breathing and all of that stuff and I just feel awful, I'm going to med myself to the point where I fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And so, no, at that point, I'm not because I'm going to be sleeping the entire day trying to give my body a chance to get better. But if it's a situation like where I was out after the surgery, well, uh, you know, upstairs above the shoulders, I was fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, there's nothing else that really demands me doing it during the day. So, yeah, I'm going to you know pitch in wherever I can. Just so exactly what Jason just said, just so I feel like even though I'm not on the air, I can still be some kind of useful to the show. It's hard to get away from. Yeah. It, it's just, it's hard to get away from what's going on in the world. It's hard to not care. Most of us want to feel like we, we're doing a good job. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, though, then you feel bad. Like, we don't want to get to a point where you feel bad if you just are sick and check out. Or on vacation and check out. Because like, you need to sometimes. That's got to be okay, too. Yeah. yeah. 913 if you want in here. Phone lines are ringing. We'll get to more of your calls next on KMBZ.
Reminder that President Biden is set to speak at around noon central time to give us an update on the latest in the conflict in Israel. So we will uh, we'll bring that to you when he uh, takes the podium up there and see what he has to say about what's going on there. In the meantime, a couple stories to get to here. Let's go to Titusville, Florida. This story's been on our list here for a couple of days about the skydiver that landed on the lawn of a home. Yeah, uh, last skydive for him, unfortunately. And imagine that. I mean, it's an awful story for him. But imagine being the guy who lives in that house and you walk out and there's a guy with a parachute who's dead on your lawn. And that's what happened. About 50 miles east of Orlando in Titusville, as, as Jamie mentioned, the Titusville Fire Department responded and said the man was pronounced dead at the scene. 69-year-old Frederick Morello of Ormond Beach and a neighbor's surveillance camera captured an SUV's window reflection showing the guy. So it didn't show him as he landed, but you could see it in the reflection in this SUV window uh, before making what they're calling a hard landing. I think that's a bit of an understatement on this mm-hmm. lawn. Um, I mean, yes, the, the obvious cliche here is this is what keeps me from ever trying skydiving, but Mm -hmm. still just that moment when you walk out your front door going, what was that? And find out that that's what it was just unimaginable. He's, uh, or was a 69 year old lawyer. Um, there was the homeowner there described it like this. He hit the ground. He bounced off the driveway into their grass almost like a basketball. That's how hard he hit the ground. Like someone bounced him up. That's how hard it was. Um, they describe him as an experienced skydiver, uh, a skydiver at heart, even though he was a civil trial and appellate lawyer for 20 years, he posted dozens of pictures of him leaping out of planes and skydiving on his website. Yeah. And that area, by the way, uh, I mean, Central Florida, all over the place, the, you'll find these little airfields that that's all they do is take people up, give you know, they give you skydiving lessons and then they take you up for your first tandem jump. And then afterwards, it's all on you. So the fact that this happened where it happened doesn't surprise me at all uh, because the, the landscape's just dotted with those things. And now they're going to have to figure out, OK, what happened? What you hope, I think, in a situation like that is that he didn't pull the ripcord because he was unconscious. Something happened when he jumped out of that plane and he lost consciousness and just it was gone before he knew what was happening. That's what you hope. But obviously, the investigation is going to center around the parachute itself first. Witnesses said the parachute was fully deployed. Oh, wow. Um, okay, well, that answers still, that. I've got a Daily Mail version of the story that says this, but he still landed at a high rate of speed and crashed to his death. Um, he was found about a block away from the airport or from where he likely would have taken off from. Uh, the air park is home to the Skydive Space Center, who wouldn't comment. Um, it is unclear if he was by himself or if he was skydiving with others, but they said, yeah, it looked like he had a parachute. So what has to happen? Like, does a wind gust just take you? down i guess i don't know what it's i don't know what it's called i I don't know enough about skydiving and the mechanics of it to address that but i know that there is a thing that can happen where even though your chute is completely because your chute deploys i think because a little tiny one comes out and then pulls the rest of your chute out of the pack that sounds right yeah and and there's there's something that can happen in the meantime and i don't know whether it's because the wires or not wires but the lines that connect your chute to you uh, get tangled 
or something, but there, there's something that can happen where the chute will come all the way out, but it never fully opens. So it's kind of flapping in the breeze, and it doesn't. It, there's not enough of it. You know, there's not enough drag there to stop you from plummeting to the ground. So it may very well. If you're an experienced skydiver and you know what I'm talking about, please fill us in on the details. Yeah. Because I know a thimble full of what we need a bucket full of. So nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight. Um. Yeah. That. Because yeah, the the CBS version that I'm looking at just says the investigation's ongoing. It doesn't say anything about that. But that's surprising to find out. This was all the Titusville Fire Department put on Twitter or X. The, the only thing read, skydiver down, wow. which is just a scary thing to see from a police department on any kind of social media or to hear over a scanner, quite frankly. A fun lines are ringing. If you have more experience with this, how can someone who is really experienced at skydiving, whose parachute deploys, still have this happen? It's, uh, another person on the text line said he may have pulled the cord too late. And I would, I would be more like sure that's absolutely possible. Uh, I mean, there is a there is a floor after which you're you know even if you open the chute, it's not going to be able to stop you in time. But if he was that experienced, if this guy's been doing that for twenty years, mm-hmm. it would be hard for me to believe that he would make that kind of mistake. Yes. All right. Let's go to the phones. Uh, I think we have an experienced skydiver with us. Hello, John. Hey, how's it going? Going well. What do you Great. know? Uh, well, if he's under an open parachute. And he was experienced, odds are, with a smaller parachute. And if you're turning while you're trying to land, you come in at a very high rate of speed while doing that. And if he was in a neighborhood, he might have been trying to avoid an obstacle and turn too low to the ground and then hit the ground while he was turning. Okay. And that would be more than enough to kill somebody. It's a, it's a violent impact. Um. Yeah, is is there anything that can happen to the shoot itself? Like like we were talking about earlier, that would make it that would keep it from even though it came out of the pack, that would keep it from opening all the way. Yeah, there's several things that that would happen when you deployed it. So it'd be high enough altitude to realize something was wrong and cut the main chute away and go to the reserve, which is almost always a larger, much easier to steer parachute, which will land you softer. But I saw, I just saw video clips of it and the reflection in the car window, and it looked like it was a fully inflated, nothing wrong with the parachute. Oh, okay. He just hit the ground in a turn, and that's what that's what probably caused the gotcha. Caused the die. Wow, it's 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 amazing to me that that can have enough velocity to hit the ground that violently. Um, oh yeah, they can go they can go incredibly fast. Wow. Uh, and that there's nothing you can do then, right? Uh, yeah, just don't turn low to the ground. I mean, it sounds dumb, but. It's just when you're in a tight spot like that, he was probably, like I said, it's probably trying to avoid an obstacle and went into a turn, and then it was just at that point, it's too late. Okay. All right. Uh, John, thank you. Hey, we, we definitely appreciate your experience in this. Scary. Um, let me go scroll for half a second. So, speaking of people that are super experienced with things, then have it happen anyway. There were a couple of um, hikers that were in Banff National Park. Uh, that's near Calgary. And they were, I'll leave some of the graphic details out of this, but very, very, very experienced hikers. They were uh, an older couple that were attacked by bears. And it was one of those things like they did everything right. They gone, they got a little lost. They got off track, but they had a satellite phone with them. They checked in every hour like they were supposed to, knew the area really well, had bear spray with them, had everything with them and were able to pull in like a mayday call or whatever you whatever the sos is from there and were found the next day by crews on helicopter that finally reached them 
But this is one of those cases of really experienced hikers, really experienced campers who have done this a lot, still died from a bear attack. Yeah, and boy, you want to talk about blood chilling. The message mm-hmm. that they sent is simply said, bear attack, it's bad. And that... Yeah. Uh, that was the last thing that anybody heard from them. It was awful. The The other one that came up, and I just put this up on the thread for you, mm-hmm. was a guy by the name of Brett Hemphill, who was a record-breaking spelunker, cave, cave diver. Uh, and he was he apparently lost his life fairly recently doing that in a cave where he set the record for, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it was, the farthest back in this cave or the deepest dive or whatever it was, but he set a record in that cave about 20 years ago and still ended up dying in that cave fairly recently. They just were able to send his team down to recover his body. His team reported he reached a depth of 174 meters before he became separated from his team. That's his team was the only one qualified to go in and rescue him. 600 feet, somewhere in that neighborhood? Yeah. I'm qualified to 30 feet. No, 60 feet. I mean, <laughs> yeah. just to give you an idea, a, a, a diver... Initially, he's only qualified to 60 feet. Yeah. So, so. The, uh, this guy had obviously had and had all kinds of experience all over the world. I mean, this is what he did, and it, it didn't make any difference. I mean, something went wrong. Uh, they called it a notorious, notoriously treacherous cave system. Under Florida, there is what's called the Florida Aquifer, and it's limestone and water. It's just these big giant caves full of water that that can that are incredibly treacherous to dive in, and yet people still do it. Yeah, really, really sad. All right, we expect to hear from President Biden in the next hour. We'll take a break, get to that coming up here on KMBZ. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 